Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 10.50 a.m., 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Good afternoon, America, and welcome to The Water Zone Show. I'm Rob Starr, along with Mr. Chris Davies, and we are the host of The Water Zone. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, a lot of good news uh, about stuff, a lot of bad news about stuff, and we're going to try to cover all of that and uh, bring in some special people. But I want to always ask Mr. Davey, how are you doing out in California land? Glenda, thanks, Rob. Uh, I think you hit it on the head. Mixed bag is uh, is the word for this week's show for sure, right? But the second yeah. half is going to be good. we got a nice uh, feature coming up uh, to tell everybody about the upcoming irrigation association show and conference in in Las Vegas, so it'll be it'll uh, it'll be a good second half as well. Yep, and you know you know we celebrated uh, uh, sort of the irrigation association in July, what they call Water Smart Month. But you know what? Every month should be Water Smart Month because that's the idea of making sure we use water more efficiently. No one's telling me, you know, at least I wouldn't tell you to stop using water because without water, we got no life, and 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 that and that and, and that's in the real sense of the word. So. We want to always continue that theme of uh, using water more efficiently and keeping keeping our planet blue. Uh, but somebody who can give us some great news, who I read and you read every single day, and she is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, the wonderful, illustrious Green Industry Hall of Fame lady. <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing, I hear. <laughs> Miss Chris Austin, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, I missed the choir of angels that was supposed to be in the background there. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I will. I will do that the next time you are. I can do. I can duplicate all that in my studio, and I will put a whole choir together. It'll, it'll be like five times the Mormon Tabernacle choir. Yeah, and sparkly stuff too, because you know I I like sparkles. Okay. Old ladies I'm, like me shouldn't, but I do. And I'll put I'll put a I'll put a crowd of thirty thousand people clapping like at a stadium. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Next, I'll do that next show. I know you're off next week, but the week after, it will be there. I promise you. You'll love. Okay. It. Okay. Anyway, so how how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. We're we're up here. It's it's been nice and mild up here in the north, uh, northern California. So we've been enjoying the mild weather. Um, and you know, you were talking about being efficient with water use and. That's the sort of rolls into the big news of the day is that uh, Governor Newsom uh, has unveiled his 16-page California water supply strategy. He did that this morning at an event in uh, in the Bay Area. He also, by the way, named Antonio Villaraigosa, former L.A. mayor, as some uh, into some position to manage infrastructure funding that's coming in from the feds with this new bipartisan infrastructure funding bill that was passed. So, you know, there's that. But that doesn't really have much to do with water. But uh, the water supply strategy does. And uh, so he's got this 16-page document, as I said, and he's calling for a number of things uh, to increase the use of recycled water uh, double how much water recycling that we're doing each year, um, taking some actions to make it a little bit easier uh, to get desalination plants approved. I think you, he's kind of looking. It's not going to take 17 years like the last one? 
you know, there's just <laughs> there's just no guarantee on how on how long. But he has said that he thinks that desalination should be in the state's uh, toolbox to deal with these things, and so he's trying to take some actions to you know to make that easier. He can't change, you know, necessarily. He, he, you know, he can't change the regulations, but there are things that they can do to kind of streamline and expedite, uh, um, to expedite projects. One of these things that he's calling for is to, you, you know, which actually would be helpful is is to get the state water board, the coastal commission, and other state entities like the state lands commission or whatever. To get together and develop criteria for siting desalination facilities along the coast that that they would approve, and if they got together and they actually did something like that, you know that that would make it easier if you knew the parameters in which you could build a desalination plant and have it approved. Um, that's going to be quite a process to make that happen uh, because there, you know, that that would be a public process, and that means that uh, environmentalists and NGOs uh, and others that aren't exactly fond of desalination will probably really fight hard to influence that. Um, but if they had such standards, that would be easier. What? It must be a short report or a summary if it's only 16 pages, as government reports go. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and then he's calling for expanding groundwater recharge. I'm kind of flipping through the document now. Um, and trying to, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the, the California Water Commission has been under fire because the people feel that the the water storage projects that were approved by Prop 1 funding is, aren't uh, happening fast enough. But the the statute was, you know, pretty detailed. It required a lot of stuff from uh, project proponents and the, the California Water Commission to do a lot of stuff. And, uh, and these projects take a long time anyway. So I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot that they can do to speed up those particular ones. But he's, call, he's saying that, you know, they should. And, uh, you know, kind of who taking over, a look who, around. Who oversights, um, all, who oversights these things? Just like the, I, I call it the train to nowhere, the roller train that they've been working on for God knows how many years. And all the money they spent, I mean, there was a lot of spent on PR and advertising. I mean, almost a billion dollars. I mean, does somebody, is there a committee that overlooks, I know when the money gets approved or somebody puts a plan together, then then it gets voted on, then it gets then it gets approved, then they get the money. But who watches how they spend the money? Well, I think um, in terms of what's going on with the Prop 1 water storage funds, uh, that's the Water Commission, and it's been a very public process. Um, I, I, I can't speak to uh, the bullet train and how that's gone, um, and I don't know who's overseeing that. But, you know, the Water Commission, is they're, they're just following the legislation that was given to them, which set out certain timelines. and uh, you know. I think uh, just about all of these projects were not in, they, they weren't what one would call shovel ready to begin with. 
some of them were just ideas that needed to start with the feasibility study. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it, again, it takes, you know, 10 to 15 years to build a dam for a lot of reasons. And you don't want to rush that. Uh, most importantly, because so many times now they come back to these older dams and they're finding that they're built on earthquake faults and could be at risk of catastrophic failure. So then they have to go back in and fix them. And it's much easier if you just get it right the first time. So you need to do these a lot of borings and, you know, you, you kind of design a little bit and you do the geotechnical work and, you know, and, and it just it just takes time. Oh, with the, with the D-cell plants, I think there's a lot more technology coming out about them and, and, and what they can do with the with the, the, the brightish water and all of that. So hopefully they'll take that in consideration and things can improve. Because that's something they should have in their toolbox in California. Yeah, I think there is a place for desalination in, you know, the water supply uh, portfolios of places. But I think it's kind of site-specific. And the one thing that we really have to be careful of, I'm really starting to understand this better, it's, it's really when you build these expensive projects, that really means higher water rates. And there are, you know, people that struggle to pay their water bills. Uh, and things like desalination is great, but it's the most expensive water that uh, that you can get. Now, certainly as technology comes through, um, it, it's going to reduce those costs, sure enough, but it's still going to be a significant cost. It's not going to cut it, you know, it's not going to eliminate the cost. It's going to tear it down. And still those costs are passed on to the rate payers. And, uh, we, the, you know. The drought, the, the drought does that now, if people start cutting back and using water, the water the water agencies need money to run their operations. They can't stop it. I mean, they still yeah. got to clean it. And, they, and there is assistance program, state assistance program to help people who can't afford water. Well, I believe. Um, actually, there isn't, and they're trying to establish one so that there can be one like a like there is for a, a power bill, you know, oh, a low it. income rate assistance. But no, there has not been one for oh. water. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully there, there's people that are pushing for that. Uh, but, you know, things like desalination, recycled water, um, is recycled water also is, is a bit pricey. Uh, you know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to build a pipeline, uh, that's going to cost a lot of money. Um, and these projects that, you know, they, and the end result is it ends up in costing the ratepayers more, and that's something that you really have to be cognizant of. So we'll see, and hopefully they'll get some low income rate assistance programs going for water. Um, that's in the legislature. Uh, there was another bill, and there was a bill that I saw today. I think it was in the commentary. Um, and it's a bill about uh, mandating something to the water agencies. It must be um, probably to adjust their rate structures. So if in a drought uh, you save water, you won't get billed more, right? That's the problem that 
you know, because of the way some of the rates are structured. Uh, so uh, there's a bill that's circulating that's trying to address that, whether that's useful or even, you know, feasible. Because sometimes, you know, legislator, le legislators have good ideas, uh, ideas, but, you know, in reality, you know, it, it's not going to work. So we'll see what happens with this bill that's circulating. So what else is a, a highlight or low light of the, of the week? I'm sorry, Chris, you're breaking up. Well, uh, I can see that. Sorry, guys. I was just going to ask Chris. Um, <laughs> controversies around desal plants, right? And you're right. My, my microphone is goofing off here, but uh, controversy, just not, you know, forgiving what just happened in Huntington Beach with the, uh, you know, when that got to, that got denied, that's a drama there. But operating desal plants in the state of California, which I think there's like a dozen or 15 of them, municipal plants, not, you know, not private desal and stuff like that, but the large municipal ones. There's been, there's not too much controversy around their operating except for, you know, warm water that, you know, and uh, highly saline water that they put back in the ocean. Is there, I mean, what, has there been any operation or dangerous circumstances resulting from um, operating these? Well, okay, um, you know, it's uh, that, like down in San Diego, uh, where they have the Poseidon plant, they, they have had some water quality violations um, I'm not sure how many, I'm not sure how serious it is. Um, and they also had, they were supposed to start mitigation by doing some wetland restoration and they didn't do that. So they're kind of in hot water. Right. Um, you know, when, when we talk about desalination, we really should separate the, between the two types and there's ocean desalination and then there's what we call brackish water desalination which happens inland um, and brackish water desalination is really much much less controversial um, it's it's cleaning up aquifers that have some salt in it but it's not nearly the same as uh, ocean water so it doesn't take as much treatment, doesn't take as much energy. Um, and the, the trick, as always, is, uh, you know, what to do with the what you take out of the water. Um, and in, in the Inland Empire, they have a brine line. Uh, so anyone that has these high salinity uh, effluents, then they can put it in this pipeline. And the pipeline goes from... You know, it's in you know Inland Empire, Santa Ana. It goes down to a treatment plant on at the coast, managed by Orange County Water District, and then they have special treatment because they know that high salinity water coming in, so they treat that water and, and discharge it to the ocean. Um, so it's kind of they kind of got that figured out in the inland empire and brackish water desalination or you know inland desalination is really not very controversial at all i don't think um you know people may not want to pay for it but it's not like ocean desalination ocean you know desalination is challenging in a lot of ways 
you know, the open water intakes, which they have it, they have outlawed now, but you know they would kill a lot of sea life, both you know microscopic up to actual mammals, you know, uh, creatures, sea sea otters or sea lions getting caught in them, uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, so and and there's issues with the discharge um, out to the ocean, and there's issues with the energy use. Um, it can be expensive, and so that's where you know rates sort of come into play. Um, now there's a lot of things happening with desalination on all of those fronts. There are better ways to do intakes. There are devices that you know, can capture back some of that energy use um, and other technologies, you know, just having less energy intensive processes is one of them. I mean, they've really done, they're really doing a lot of work. The problem is, or, you know, is this really waiting till the technology uh, catches up and can be implemented to scale, uh, you know, something large? And we'll see. I'm sure we're going to see some great, uh, great efforts coming up here in the next few years that may yeah. actually, you know, change these things. Agree. Agree. We're also learning, learning from other parts of the world where detail is prevalent, like um, Israel and Saudi Arabia and places like that, where it's where it's um, uh, quite common as a as a water uh, water source. Um, lots of Lots of symposiums. We had a guest on recently. Remember Rob that gave us a, uh, us and our listeners a good insight into you know what he thinks the, the future of desalination is. So yeah, definitely should be on uh, you know one of the quiver. One yeah. of the arrows in the quiver. Yeah, and Israel has done you know they they have done a pretty good job with you know making it cost effective. And interestingly, uh, they what they've done. For is they have sacrifice zones, what they call sacrifice zones in the areas where they discharge the the desal uh, the desal plant brine. Um, they sort of just set aside and said, okay, over here is where we will dump this, and and so they they at least limit the damage to one to one small area or try to at any rate. A lot, a lot of the desalination in the Middle East is thermal desalination because you know they have like more, more oil, more energy, and you know so they can and it, they have lots of it. So they would just, uh, uh, so they would just um, uh, use use what they you know use thermal desalination. There's a lot of new technology. We we had on our show a couple of months ago a gentleman, a local gentleman out here in Arizona, who developed a new type of system. And uh, the city uh, the city out here in Arizona is looking to put six of these things in that'll take care of acres worth of acre feet of a couple acre feet of water. And it's uh, solar powered and it's pretty unique. So uh, once they get going on that, I can report back or even have him come back and. And with with the Salt River Project and some other water agencies, and they get comments on, on what they see with that. I, I think it's I think it's a great tool. I think there's still a lot more technology to be developed with that, and and I'm sure these companies who are in that business will do that because it's it's something that uh, they use today, and they're going to certainly keep using it in the future. Yeah, 
What's kind of interesting, too, is that sort of semi-related to that, but perhaps not really, um, they have, they've been solving some of the water issues in the Central Valley by rolling out these uh, devices that capture water from the air. And they even set them up now with solar panels. And I guess that the units that they're putting in are can uh, generate about two gallons um, a day. Um, and this is actually, a, 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 I think, a pretty great idea to solve the problem with um, uh, to solve the problem with the contaminated groundwater that's in the Central Valley. So they can't use the groundwater for drinking and eating, but they can use these machines. So they're doing this as a pilot project and actually installing these units out in the Central Valley. So it's atmosphere watering harvesting. We've had people, we've had people both from the small companies doing it to the big ones. A lot of them started off doing it for the military. And um, a lot of people they have they have a similar machine they use in in the boating industry. I found out that was kind of, but, but it's a good place because they need that type of atmosphere over the ocean to capture the stuff. And um, one guy, Chris and I talked to Chris. Do you remember he they were developing one that you can put on your countertop. Uh, for yep, the, I do. Yeah, I see. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, enough so, for enough for drinking water and and uh, kitchen use house. Yeah. Like yeah. Not a, not a not a big you know, scaled up unit, but yeah. Yeah, and and you know they actually have a a brewery in Paso Robles that was going to use this technology as you know the base for their beer. Yeah, I you know I think that on a small scale small scale basis, it's it's a really interesting technology. But I think if if everybody we're going to start generating water from the air. I mean, I I've got to think some something out there needs that water, <laughs> you know, needs that water vapor. You just you don't get anything for free on no. this on this earth. And I think you know just uh, just I don't know. I I would be concerned about implementing it at scale. I'm sure there would be ramifications, but I've got to say, if you're out in the middle of nowhere in the Central Valley with bad water coming in your well or no water, uh, one of these machines would be amazing, amazing did, way to solve the problem. I did a project with um, Orange County Water District, uh, a park at a, at a big hotel in, uh, down by uh, Newport Beach, and they put this air curtain evaporation uh, uh, material out in their gardens in, in, in one of their parks and it collects stuff like from mist from the ocean and fog and things of that sort and it gives drops of water i mean they can collect water so i think this yeah and that's that that technology is being used in, in in africa and other other third world countries to do that uh they're starting to look at the machines that you were just talking about uh, uh, but you know they're, they're very poor countries. They can't afford to buy some of these machines to do it. So they do it with these air curtains, especially if you're living near the ocean and you get the fog every morning. And and apparently it it, it uh, collects all this moisture and then it uh, pours it out and you can save it. So yeah, I think I think those are things that are going to be looked at more and more as as we go through this drought. You know, we're in the third third year of this drought and it's uh, not getting any better. So no, not a lot of 
not a lot of hope to think it's going to get better. But hey, ain't that a cheery way to end my segment? <laughs> well, we said we had, we said with Chris that we had a mixed bag, and he was right. We do. But uh, mm-hmm. we're we're coming up to our new our uh, uh, commercial break, and Chris, I know you're going to be off next week to have a fa- happy kind of vacation day, and I will put together all that information I told you about with the applause and and all kinds of things uh, for your introduction uh, in two weeks. So we appreciate right. you coming. And so people, I always have to tell them uh, if you want the best in California water news every single day, go to MavensNotebook.com, become a subscriber. Become a sponsor. It's something that Chris Stady and I get every single day on our computers, and we we learn things that uh, we, we we can never find out about because we're stuck with our normal jobs and we can't go travel to places like Chris does and, and uh, collect all this information. So, Chris, thank you very much for being on the show tonight, and we will talk to you in two weeks. You have a good uh, good weekend coming up. All right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. All right, we'll take a little break, and we'll we'll be right back with the Water Zone, so stick around for the second half for our featured guests. Thank you. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers, and you can get your plants delivered direct, even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip. Keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you. They really love you. Aww. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes. A better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. EcoSeries products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied, fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied, fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about Eco solvent cements from Weldon, visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the technical service hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. 
K C A A. All right, we got our travel music going, and uh, we're going to be talking to somebody on the East Coast. And I'll give a big introduction to this wonderful person. She is from the Irrigation Association. So, ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, please welcome Stephanie Clark. Thank you. Thank you very <laughs> much for having me. I appreciate it. We we are very excited to have you on. Chris and I are very happy to have you on. And you are the business development manager for the Irrigation Association. But we like to always ask a question uh, to all the people who come on the show, uh, just to give them a little bit more information about, about the person we're talking to. What made you and how did you pick the career choice you've made in water? Well, that in water, well, I would say my background is actually more on the association side. So I am new to the irrigation industry. So I started about two and a half years ago with the IA. So I'm still um, excited to be learning so much about this industry. But I bring with me a lot of business development and sales experience to the IA. So I've been able to jump in and help grow the trade show and some other opportunities um, for our members. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, as I mentioned, you were in on the top of the show when I was talking about Smart Irrigation Month and that I think it should be every single month. Uh, and Chris and I always say at the end of our show to help keep our planet blue. That's what we want our listeners to do. But, you know, what's coming up here in December is a big irrigation association show. And kind of what we want to do is talk with you about what it all is. Some of our listeners are in the business. Some of them are not. Um, uh, some who are in the industry will be attending and uh, either showing as an exhibitor or as a guest uh, attendee. Uh, other people in the general public can go as well. Can you tell our listeners really what is the irrigation show and what's that all about? Yes, very exciting. So the Irrigation Show is a trade show that brings together irrigation and landscape lighting professionals, and it offers innovative technology, unique unique networking, and really best-in-class educational opportunities. And it's going to be in Las Vegas this year, December 5th to the 9th. So a great time well, to visit Vegas in December. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is Chris. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. It's, uh, Hi, it's Chris. great to have you on. Thank you. Seriously, wonderful you. to have you here. So, you know, some of our listeners are kind of saying, well, you know, we go to the show, all that kind of stuff. So maybe maybe I know because this is going to be the first uh, quote unquote post pandemic show, so to speak. Right. Kind of. And I know you guys are looking at bringing back a lot of um, the show features and adding stuff. Rob and I, I know we're certainly excited to go this year. There are so many things offered in just one week, and you guys do such a great job. But what can you kind of tell us what's going to be, you know, kind of highlight what's going to be different this year? Why, what's the irrigation show bringing in 2022 that's different from uh, the last few years? You know, I would say as far as what's different, we, we did have our show last year in San Diego, but that still was, right. you know, right in the middle of the pandemic. Luckily, um, we, we were at a good time and we still had a great show, but this year we definitely expect we'll have more exhibitors that will be able to come back. There was a lot of travel restrictions last year, budget issues based on um, companies not being able to exhibit. So I'm excited that we're going to be able to, you know, get closer back to that 200 exhibitors. 
that will be on the trade show floor. And again, they feature you know over 100 product categories, which is wonderful. And then this year is also our 20th year for the new product contest. And this is something that we do as a hybrid event. So we will really be promoting this year as far as the fact that the technology that is now coming out post-COVID, there was a lot of products that were on hold. So I'm excited as I've seen the submissions for the, for the contest that have come in. We will be doing the judging live for that online. And then we will present the winners at the irrigation show. So that will be um, kind of an exciting to see what's new coming out after, after the pandemic here. And then we do have Innovation Row. We'll have 10 startup irrigation technology companies also that will do a pitch competition. So that will be interesting to see. And that will be on the first day of the trade show. And then we also are doing some different events in our Innovation Hub, which is our presentation area on the floor. That's where the pitch competition that I mentioned for our startups is held. We also have some product demos. For instance, Superior is presenting a product demo in there. And then we also present our awards for the new product contest and the pitch competition within there. That's kind of everything, the excitement right. that's going on in the trade show side of it. But then, of right. course, we have all the educational opportunities, too. Oh, yeah. Hey, this, this year as well, in the, as in past years, we, there was an opportunity through, through the iWebsite, website, if you go to the show part of the, the iShow part of the uh, website, where uh, attendees or, or, or those who might be on the fence, so to speak, definitely you know, one, one, mm-hmm. wondering whether they're going to go or not, there's a, there's a place mm-hmm. where they can go and look and start to get to know what the exhibitors are, right? Start maybe even if they know they're going to go pre-planning their, their time there. Um, tell us about that on the uh, My Expo tour. Yeah, definitely. So if you go to our website, the irrigationshow.org, and actually our floor plan, we have an interactive exhibitor floor plan. And within there, one, you can also, with our exhibitor directory, you can search by product category. For, so for instance, if you're a particular attendee that's looking for you know, one type of product or several products, and you say, oh, I want to be able to go and look for this. Will they have it there? Well, there's your spot to go and check as far as based on those 100 product categories, you can search and see which companies are going to be there that are going to be offering those type of products that you can learn more about. And then you can also add to your own expo plan. You can set up on there, you know, you can favorite your exhibitors. You can also put in different industry insight sessions that we'll talk about a little bit later. So you can put some education in there, your networking events, and really have your whole plan for the show set up even before you go, which is always helpful because you feel a little bit more organized going in versus just kind of walking into the conference and not feeling as prepared. Oh my goodness! I have to agree. It's a great tool. It's an absolute, uh, a wonderful tool, uh, especially if you're interested in, you know, a particular event like, like the new product contest. Uh, you know, for instance, right. there's just there's so much information to learn about there, and it's it's great to spend all that time there. But it's certainly <clears throat> a time saver if you can if you can do that. So let me let me just kind of ask a question on the new product contest again before we <clears throat> move on a little bit because it is certainly. One of, if not my favorite, <laughs> event of the okay. uh, of the show, being Great. being a product guy myself, so interested in doing that. So, so many uh, of the presentations in the past were kind of like, um, you know, they were they were digital presentations, if if, if you will. Are they going to be live this year? Are we going back to that? Is the judging going to be live? So what we're doing, and we actually started this back in 2020, and it, it 
went over well, so we've kept with it. We're going to do the hybrid event. So for instance, what's going to happen is all of the contestants are going to submit actually a taped product presentation. And we're, we're really doing this because we want to make sure there's no technology issues that day, that everyone you know, has a, has a chance to really make sure the judges can hear everything about their product. But the Q&A is going to be live with the judges. And all of this will take place where people can join and watch it. So it's basically going to be a kind of a live session where you can join the webinar, you can watch the presentations. But as far as the actual product presentation, just to clarify that, those will be pre-taped, but the judges' questions and the answer, that will all be handled live. And then at the show, all of the products, of course, are there in the new product contest area. And we, you know, always recommend that our contestants, you know, there's so many questions as you're walking around. So we we try to have all of our contestants within that area to answer questions from attendees. And then we, of course, announce the winners at the show as well. We used to do it, and you probably saw since you've attended for years, the presentations at the show. But it's such, I mean, it definitely takes quite a bit of time to do the presentations live at the show. So we decided, why don't we offer this in advance, give people a chance to see what is going to be at the show. Again, you know, kind of generate some excitement about all these innovative products. Again, you go knowing what you're going to look for. And you can jump into that new product area and, you know, go right for the products you want to learn more about once you're there. I guess uh, the two most Terrific. I, I can't wait. I guess the two most important factors of that is, one, the product has to work. And two, it has to be a, yeah. a, a full functional production released product and to be sold. Right. Good. Yeah. So people, people understand that. You know, one of the things that I like about the IA, uh, aside from going around looking at the technology, because that's my background, uh, you know, is, is the educational opportunities. So how can the attendees leverage the show to grow their business and their own personal knowledge? So definitely. So we have our IA University classes, which we do offer every year, and those really reinforce the fundamental and practical skills needed for design, install, or to maintain an irrigation system. So these are truly those core curriculums for irrigation professionals, and it's for all experience levels, which I think is great in the areas of turf and landscape, landscape business basics, and pump and soil. And these are opportunities to earn CEUs, which is always something we hear from our members. It's very important. So we want to make sure there's a lot of opportunities for that to help them maintain their IA certification. And so this year, IA University, our landscape classes are actually sponsored by Site One, who I think was sponsoring your commercial break earlier. So I yes, heard that name. They're, yeah, yeah, they're yep. one of our major sponsors. That's great. And so we have IE University that's, that's happening. And then we also have these industry insights. And this, I definitely want to bring up to your listeners because we're accepting submissions right now through the end of the month. Industry insights, we have held them in the past. We did a very limited version of them last year in 2021. But basically, it's, we want to provide tools to help the attendees, our members, improve their businesses and their practices, overcome challenges. What are some opportunities for their businesses to grow? So we're accepting these um, submissions right now. And, you know, we'll kind of make sure we have a variety that we're holding during the show. And um, really looking for experts in some of these different areas, whether it's, you know, research, some of the latest research, recent innovations, regulatory complexities, career development. It's just there's so many different challenges post-COVID that different companies are experiencing. So these sessions 
which will be included in the registration of the irrigation show, will be held throughout the show. And these are sponsored by CalSense this year. But definitely, um, if we have any of your listeners out there that are interested in presenting through August 31st, we're accepting submissions for those. That sounds that sounds pretty good. One of the things you know we we do. Let me go back on your uh, uh, training and such. You know we we have an association. We're one of the founder mem- founding members of our company, Toro, uh, with the IA, and um, we through the, the through this radio show uh, on a quarterly basis and, and whenever you guys are ready to do it, uh, we also broadcast the training session that people can listen to and watch as we broadcast in video as well, and they can get uh, CEUs. Uh, from you as well through that. So that's a good way if they can't attend uh, the the events that you have or they can't catch the, the webinars because they're during working hours and such. So uh, they can always catch our podcast and catch some of those and, and be qualified for the CEUs from you. So uh, we, we, we do that with you guys and we do that with the AWWA. And, um, you know, we, we, we think education is, is really, really important. Uh, for for people in this industry, you know, it's not like it was before that you're just a mow and blow person uh, as a gardener. Mm-hmm. The, you, there's a lot more smarts that they have to learn today, and there's a lot more technology that's uh, that uh, goes to all of this stuff. So, Chris, I'll let definitely, you jump in. And, yes, definitely. If you want to comment, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was just going to say that that's interesting to hear about the other CEU opportunities. I'm glad you mentioned that, and, and I totally agree. The education is such a big part of our show on top of the trade show. And I think it's great that, you know, everyone's coming for different goals, which you hope, you know, as far as the innovative products or they want to take a particular class or for certification, but that's why we try to have a wide variety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hope that some of the, you know, quote unquote thought leaders out there uh, are listening and uh, get inspired to, uh, uh, to submit. (laughs) So, um, so. Let's move on, Liz, because there's another really just a trademark uh, feature of the show, and of course that's the that's mm-hmm. the general session. So as I mentioned a little earlier about the whole post-pandemic uh, uh, kind of a thing, the general sessions have been um, you know slightly uh, uh, min- minimized a little bit in the past. What's the, what's the plan mm-hmm. for um, Las Vegas? You know, yes, we are definitely going to bring back the general session. We're still kind of finalizing the details, but the plan is definitely to have a speaker talk about, you know, the state of the industry. I mean, obviously, things have changed so much in the last couple of years, and we get a lot of questions um, within our association on, you know, there's so much different feedback and things happening. So we're going to have a discussion on that. And then, of course, we're going to present our award winners. We just announced the IA award winners, so we will present um, their awards as well. So excited about that. And then we might, we're still trying to finalize as far as timing, as far as if we can have any other type of session during that event as well. We aren't going to have a keynote per se. Really want to focus on the industry and the award winners this year. Yeah, one of the things um, I, I didn't mention and, and, and to you, but I'm, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with, one of the things that I like about the show is going over to where you sell your books and all your educational material. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that stuff is really cool. I mean, you got top-of-the-line information that people can buy, both both from the industry and from without. And can, can any person just go online and order books and things and all those technical things from you guys directly away from the show? Yes, definitely. Okay. They certainly can. Yep, just irrigation.org. Definitely check out our bookstore. 
Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I bought several over the years, and it's uh, okay. great tool. Great tools to have. So yeah. you know, you I, still got. Sorry, no, no, I go said, ahead, buddy. No, no, I said I, I see tons of them in your office, <laughs> so I know you yeah. buy them, <laughs> and I know you read them. <laughs> I was just going to say, you my, know, my, go ahead. Yeah, my bookshelf is full of uh, of books that I've gotten. I'm pretty much 99 of 44, 100 percent have come from the IA bookstore. Wow! Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, hey, you're welcome. So, hey, Rob, let me can I can I transition here a bit? Because um, you know, I want to get to some questions about the location, right? I mean, the Vegas baby, right? So, you're interested. No, no, you're you're inter you're interested in that craft breakfast. <laughs> craft <laughs> that craft brew, craft, craft brew fest. Yeah. Craft brew fest. <laughs> I am. If we so, did a breakfast, um, so that could be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, that's right. Well, one of my local breweries here, uh, um, you know, they they do Pilates and beer, so I mean that can't be that bad, right? So, um, there you go. Hey, let's, you know so listen, let's let's talk about that. We know Vegas, entertainment capital of the world, and and I know I just happen to know that you guys have a ton of special events uh, because it's Vegas. So you know, kind of, can you kind of run us through what you're what you're thinking this year and what some of the attendees and our indeed our listeners right here right now can expect definitely i am so excited about the events that we're bringing back again this is one of those post-covid we really wanted to bring back the networking opportunities everybody we want them to experience las vegas we want everyone to have time to be able to you know interact with you know on the exhibit hall and outside of it so we're going to start out with a Viva Las Vegas reception that's going to be held at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort Casino. That is our kickoff reception event on Tuesday night, sponsored by Smart Rain. And there we're going to have music, hors d'oeuvres, and some Vegas-themed fun. So very excited for that. Again, all of these events are included with the Irrigation Association registration. So that's what's great, is that there's no you know extra fees for any of these events. And then on Wednesday night, this is something brand new, Heritage and the Heritage Cares Foundation are hosting an irrigation show concert at the famous House of Blues in Las Vegas. And we are going to have the Turnpike Troubadours, the mouthful, and the Band of Thebans performing at that event. And again, open to all registrants. That's going to have food, drinks, along with the concert. So those two events will be very exciting in the evenings. And then we have also a Friday, a Thursday afternoon, I'm sorry, Thursday afternoon event that is a tour of the Bellagio Fountain. If someone's interested in adding that on, we're going to have uh, a tour from one of the fountain control engineers. So that actually should be pretty interesting. And we're doing that in conjunction with the National Groundwater Association because we are co-located with them this year as well. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Yeah. And then during the day, we are adding in some industry networking events. We're bringing back the Women in Irrigation Breakfast, the Young Professionals Networking Social, both sponsored by Hunter Industries. And we also have a brand new, which I'm very excited about, to honor our wonderful members, a member appreciation breakfast sponsored by Regency Wire. So that will be for all IA members at the show to have breakfast. And then, as you brought up earlier, the Craft Brew Fest will be our closing event on the trade show. And it's sponsored by Ewing. They're celebrating their 100th anniversary. So that will be another chance. I don't know. As far as last year, we did a similar event. 
where you can grab a craft brew as well as enjoy some hors d'oeuvres and, of course, networking on the show floor. So really excited. It's it's jam-packed, a lot of great opportunities for networking and really enjoying the area. A lot of stuff to do. And one other thing that Chris and I are very excited about, that we'll be broadcasting live throughout the show. Um, uh, So we'll be on the air for that. And then on Thursday after our Thursday evening, uh, we'll be broadcasting as well on a, on a live show with a bunch of guests from the show. Uh, we usually go around and talk to the new companies who come in and let them have a few minutes on air and telling them what their products are and what they can find and so forth. So uh, we sure love to have you come up and, and Natasha and, and Mikhail and your, your rest of your gang and, and be on the show then. And uh, we always do that for every year. So uh, we hope that's, that's going to be something that's going to be good. Definitely. I appreciate that. We're always glad to have you there. Appreciate that. So you know, um, they always say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But in your case, you really want them to take home all that knowledge. So I shouldn't stay in Las Vegas. They should go home to all the people so they know what they've learned and all the people that they've connected to. Exactly. That's what we hope. Yeah, our theme this year is leading the way, and our team is really focusing on showcasing how how our organization and our partners are spearheading the innovation that's really going to accelerate the industry and help prepare us for a sustainable future that we need. And there's just been so many roadblocks, you know, in front of our members in this industry, obviously the supply chain issues. And of course, I heard you talking about earlier, the drought is impacting the Western states. So we're really trying to bring in, again, the experts to offer insights, to show innovation, to offer solutions. So everyone's leaving the show with, hey, you know what? I had some great networking opportunities. I made new connections. And I was able to really, um, you know, learn about some key issues that I can bring back to my team to help grow my company. Right. And they also learn about all the new technologies that's out there and all the new companies or older companies have. And uh, it's, it's a great place to learn more about. Are you still bringing in or planning to bring in the, for the Irrigation Association Foundation? Uh, the students who go through classes and things of that sort, are you still doing that? You know what? We are not going to have that this year. There were still some challenges around the COVID with okay. some travel restrictions. So we are not able to do that this year, but we are hoping to bring that back in the future. Okay. We, we like that a lot. I mean, it's one of the one of the things our company likes to sponsor. So we, I, I didn't know what that, uh, what, what, what was going to be this year. So Chris, any, uh, any ending thoughts? Comments? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, we've been talking pretty much uh, the subject has been the IA show, but we know the IA Association does a whole lot more stuff than, than just the show every year. So maybe we can give Stephanie a chance to uh, tell us some more things. I mean, Natasha gave us an, you know, a little a little tasting, a little idea when she was on the show a few months ago. But we know there's other okay. things coming from the irrigation show that are new and exciting. Maybe you can cover a couple of those, Stephanie. Yeah, I would say that I'm not sure what when Tintasha brought up that obviously we launched our new and Kyle I know was on the show not too long ago, the irrigation That's and lighting right. magazine. Just if, if any of your readers haven't, you know, checked that out yet, highly um encourage them to do so. You can go to the irrigation and lighting dot org. Subscriptions are free. We have a newsletter of course as well, offers a lot of great information related to irrigation, landscape lighting, business strategies, educational tips. And then as far as other resources, you know, we just held a webinar 
about the California drought situation with our industry partners, uh, California Landscape Contractors Association and National Association of Landscape Professionals. And we actually had 600 irrigation professionals that attended that, which is really quite telling and exciting all at once. But that recording is available on the IA website and our YouTube channel. If anyone would like to listen to the recording, definitely provide a lot of great information. That would be another um, opportunity. But yeah, we're excited to head into 2023, excited for an excellent show and excited to be back in Vegas as well. And then kind of head into the next year and continue to work on some other potential virtual education opportunities and, you know, planning to head towards San Antonio for the irrigation show in 2023. Oh, yeah, so so just, just look, go ahead, Rob. Uh, I'm just looking uh, at the comments for a comment board here. And one, one guy's asking, uh, I assume it is because his name is Kevin, but, um, uh, <laughs> You know, maybe a lot of our listeners don't know that that the new the the new irrigation and lighting magazine actually followed. It's the same thing as a green industry magazine. It's just pretty much renamed, right? Because this guy was asking, "What happened to the green industry news?" Uh, mm-hmm. Right. So, irrigation and lighting did replace irrigation and green industry magazine. We kind of retained some of the best parts of it, but we're also putting an increased value on focusing on irrigation and landscape lighting even more um, within this particular magazine. Yeah, and that and that has its own website as well, right? People can go, if they want to sign up, they want to get stuff, they can go to, to the uh, irrigationandlighting.org website. Um, am I right? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. Good. Kind of, it's kind of funky trying to do shows being remote and with uh, Stephanie. We used to go to the we used to go to the studio all the time, but since pandemic hit, we don't go to the studio. We do it out of our own own studios only because other people come in and put their mouths on the microphone and things like that. And you know, we, oh, we didn't right. we didn't want, we didn't want to work all our lives to catch uh, something and die. So that's why, so we no, can't. we don't so, want so, that. So really but anyway, we want to thank you very very much for taking the time coming on. Uh, what's it's the best awesome. way that people can find out about the IA? You know what? They can find out about the IA either going to irrigationshow.org or irrigation.org to learn about the IA. Again, registration is open right now, so I definitely hope to see everyone in Vegas. And Rob and Chris, I appreciate you inviting me to the show. Definitely enjoyed talking with you and um, look forward to meeting you in person in Vegas. We'll see you there. Say hi to Rachel. I can Natasha. I can go to Kyle. I can go down the list of people, but all of, all of you guys. And women are wonderful, and we love working with you. So thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.